Amen. Thank you, Brother Aaron. All right, from Colossians chapter 1, and for some time now, I've been sharing with you the things that have uh, are recorded, verse 9 down through verse 12. And you'll remember that uh, we are taking the preaching on Sunday night for a long time now from the statement that is made in Galatians chapter number 6, where Paul says, For God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And um, I had taken that on the positive side. And sowing, because he goes on to say about sowing to the Spirit and sowing to the flesh. And sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption, sowing to the Spirit and reaping life. So I've been preaching for months and months now on Sunday night about ways to sow to the Spirit. And of course coming down to the thought that one of the best ways that I know of to sow to the Spirit uh, is in our prayer life. In our prayer life, if, if our prayers are right, and if they are really inspired and led of the Lord, it is the Holy Spirit working in us. And the Bible tells us in Romans that we don't know what to pray for, but we depend on the Holy Spirit <clears throat> to teach us and lead us in our, our prayer life. And I've often said this about prayer, and I really, really believe it. God doesn't need me to ask Him uh, anything or what have you. He is a sovereign God. And He works His will and purpose in all things. He's absolutely sovereign. But He has chosen, and it's always been a humbling thought to me, that He would choose to allow me to be a part of what He's doing by inspiring my prayer life and leading me to pray. And then I come to the thought where uh, what can we pray about and what can we ask for? And the best source that I know is in the New Testament to find those things that someone under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is praying for, something that they're praying for. And of course, in this prayer, in verse 9, uh, he tells us, For this cause also since the day I heard it, and all those things that he had heard is found in verse 1 and through verse 8. It, he, it says here, that he, I do not cease to pray for you. Okay, if I wanted, and I do, I, I want to and I do pray for our church. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I love the church. I really, really do. Our Lord and Savior established it to accomplish His purpose and plan in the world. I got a compliment paid to me when Brother Truman was here to preach, and his wife Marilyn told me that when they became members at Kidville where I pastored, that she said the best lesson I've ever learned was that you taught me to love my church. And that's exactly what we ought to do. If we don't love the church, don't claim much else, to be honest with you, because Christ loved it and he gave himself for it. So what Paul is doing here, he's praying for the church at Colossae. And if Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, could pray these things that are mentioned here, I know that I can. I know that this is something I can pray. I can pray this prayer for 
the church that I belong to. And I, and I do and desire to do so. Not only am I preaching about from these, but I want you to know I'm practicing what I preach because I believe these are things that the Bible tells us we should pray for. And we can go through the Scripture and learn how to pray and what to pray for. You know, the disciples of our Lord asked Him about prayer and He said pray on this this way, and I may bring a message from that where he, where he said the things he said told him to say, Our Father which art in heaven, and hallowed would be thy name, and on and on in that model prayer. Jesus' prayer is John 17. That is the Lord's prayer. But the model prayer is in the Gospels where he tells the disciples, Pray like this. And uh, that would be a a good message to bring uh, while we're in this subject, and I probably will will do that. So I want you to know that we learned this about sowing to the Spirit. If the Spirit led, and I, I don't mean maybe so and maybe not, I mean since, since the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul to pray this prayer uh, for the church at Colossae, we know that this is something the Holy Spirit may lead us to pray for our church. And so what a model we have. And God is pleased with that. He is so pleased with that. As a matter of fact, I will, uh, I will uh, turn to a verse of Scripture before we even read our text. And it is in, uh, it's in 1 Thessalonians, and it is in chapter number 5, and it's verse eight, 18. And uh, listen, listen to this. Now, our text verse, I need to read our text verse first. Text verse is verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us... Now, you can substitute that word meat in your King James Version. You can just put fit. It will work just fine. And I'll say it that way, who hath, which hath made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, listen to this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What is God's will for me? I can tell you on the authority of the Word of God, that in everything give thanks. I was had a conversation with a couple of our men earlier uh, this evening, and that subject came up, and I quoted the verse of Scripture that says, All things work together for good for them that love Him and are the called according to His purpose. And one of the men said to me, Good or bad, right? Yes, good or bad. Even if it's something bad, you can know for sure that the Lord's got a purpose in it. There's a purpose in it. And it, and uh, I, I mean, I know that because of what the Bible says. I also know it because of my own personal experience in life. So tonight, let's go to this verse. Last Sunday night, you remember that I shared with you, and I have those scripture passages written uh, down, and you can have them if you like. Like if you uh, missed that, you can. I'll give them to you. But without. Uh, all the scriptures that I shared show one thing. Without gratitude, without being thankful, you don't have a prayer life. Because prayer and thanksgiving are all together. As a matter of fact, without being thankful, you don't even worship God. A person does not worship God apart from being thankful. 
Now that's hard stuff, but it's true. It is, in the Bible, it is absolutely true that apart from being thankful, there is no praying. There is none whatsoever. I would suggest, if you want a word from the preacher about praying, that the first thing you do when you open your mouth or think it, you don't have to open your mouth, God knows what's in our heart. That's what it means in the Bible when it says pray without ceasing. It means you can go around in daily activity and you can pray in your thoughts. You can pray at night. You don't have to holler and scream or anything like that. You don't have to worry about God hearing you because He already knows what you're thinking. He knows what's in your heart. You see, praying without ceasing don't mean that you go around with your hands up like this and you're constantly uh, speaking. People might want to get you committed or something if you did that all the time. But that's not what that means. It means that you're always in an attitude of prayer. You're in an attitude of prayer. Start your prayer by saying, Thank you, dear God. And I told you earlier that it's good medicine. It keeps you from being depressed. It, it is good medicine to be thankful. It, no matter what, be thankful. And I want to tell you something. Uh, this is not a boastful statement, but there's a lesson I've learned in life that no matter how bad things are in your life, it doesn't have to keep you from being thankful. You, you're, you're thankful. You, you know, you might say, well, I was in a restaurant here a while back and, and the little girl that took us to the table, she could barely walk. It was at Cracker Barrel in Richmond. You all may have been around uh, there and seen that girl. And I, I think she probably is a student at, uh, in college. And she, she was so crippled so crippled and I said to Sue I'm going to quit complaining well you say what do you mean when you say that I mean no matter how bad it is it could be worse you get in an attitude like that and you get to thinking that way about everything in your life it could be worse amen and I tell you what it'll make you thankful that it's not <laughs> see and so uh, in the flesh we have a tendency to complain and wine, I used to have this little plaque. I, I really don't know whatever happened to it. I, I know back years ago, it hang on the pastor's study door. And it just simply said, Thou shall not wine. And that was pretty good, wasn't it? Everybody that, everybody that went through that door would see that. Thou shall not wine. I don't know whatever happened to that, but it was pretty good. If I ever find it, you'll, you'll know it's on, it's on the door back there. But see, that is a, a tendency of the flesh, right? To complain and to whine. And there are reasons. And you know, many of you have asked me how my back is. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't stand up to preach. And uh, Brother Moore and Brother Jim uh, felt so sorry for me. They got up and spoke in, in my place and everything. And that, even Jim brought a, the stool from downstairs and the little lectern for me to uh, sit down if I, if I needed to, if I insisted or whatever. And many of you have asked me, you know, how's your back doing? Well, I want to tell you, I have, a, I have a, a, a tendency to complain, you know, and say, well, it's better, but it's still not right. Well, it, it hadn't been right for years, so it ain't never going to be right. I was telling Beverly Wednesday night, she was talking to me about my back. 
And last Sunday night, I said, Honey, honey we've got this liniment, and I, I want you to rub that on my lower back. I want you to rub that on my lower back. And she said, Okay. And when she started to rub it on my lower back, she said, Honey, your lower back is bruised. All the way across is bruised. And she took a picture of it. And uh, I'm not sharing the picture because it might show more than I want you to see. But, <laughs> but anyway, it was. it was. Now what causes that? What causes that is that if you have muscle spasm bad enough, they would tear themselves. Your muscles would tear. And that's what had happened to my lower back. I had muscle spasms bad enough to tear the muscles. And so, I have a tendency to complain. See, I'm much better. Thank the Lord. But, <laughs> I still have trouble walking sometimes and stuff like that. That's our, our tendency. And so, we ought to be thankful. And that's what last, those Scripture passages last Sunday night were talking about. No matter what, my brothers and sisters, be thankful. You can be thankful. And it's not just be thankful, but you know what this verse is saying? Giving thanks unto the Father. That's what it says. You know, you might say, well, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Everybody would tell you that. You know, if I ask everybody I come in contact with this coming week, are you thankful? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, but do you give thanks unto the Father? Because that's where it all comes from. Everything, every blessing in my life comes from God Almighty. Thank God Almighty. Giving thanks. Now there's ways that we can do that. And I hope to share some of that uh, with you. But giving thanks unto the Father. Now tonight, here's going to be the focus. You, you're not just thankful. Nobody is just thankful. Nobody in the flesh is thankful. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about people being unthankful. Unthankful. Nobody is thankful. And uh, there's a cause that is spelled out in our verse tonight. And I want to tell everybody listening to this, there is ample reason for thanksgiving. Being thankful and giving thanks unto the Father. And it's found in the verse. It's also found in the context. I'm a little hesitant to share with you how it's found in the context, I've already preached down through there, verse 9 through verse 11, but I can go back and show you again that it's there. There's got to be a reason, there's got to be a cause. And this is not a boastful statement, but I want to say, I am thankful. I think you know that. I think if you know your preacher, you know that he's thankful. He's thankful. You say, but preacher, what if everything you had disappeared? I'd still be thankful. The only, reason, only way that the most valuable things in my life, is, which are my brothers and sisters in Christ, were not around anymore is because the Lord's already took us to glory. Amen? <laughs> and I'd still be thankful. I'd still be thankful. And I've shared with you that that's the greatest blessing that I have. It's not material things at all. Best things in life are not things. Best things in life are our family, your husband or your wife, your children, your grandchildren, and your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're, if you're a member of this church, then you're part of a family. You're part of a family. And that's an awesome, awesome blessing.
to be a part of a family. So what's the cause? There is a cause. Uh, Thankfulness must have a cause. There's got to be a reason. So I want you to note what the... Let me read the verse again. It's pretty obvious. I'll make comment about it. Giving thanks unto the Father. And here it comes. Which hath made us suitable, sufficient... You can put whatever you want in there. Uh, This is the word meat. We don't use it that way, but that's what it means. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You like that? The saints in light? All right. So this is the cause. Now, first of all, how we are made suitable. This is how we're made suitable. This is how we're made fit. This is how we made uh, meet. First of all, if you're saved tonight, it is because you have been chosen. You are a chosen generation. You are part of a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. And that meaning greatly loved, of course. But He has chosen us. That's, we're, we're looking at the reason why we're uh, fit to be, have an inheritance. And it is because we've been chosen. And you know what Paul says about that. He said this, uh, He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings to heavenly places according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto Himself, to the praise and glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted. Now what do you think about that? You say, preacher, there's a lot of people in this world, they belong to churches and denominations that don't believe that. I'm fully aware of that. But I want to tell you what I believe. I believe what the Bible says. I don't add anything to it, and I, don't tr- I try my best not to take anything away from it. But there are passages of Scripture, and I've told you this story before. Brother Tim, I'm going to tell it again. And <laughs> me and him have fun over this. He apologized for saying what he did about that, that, that everybody knows my story so well. But uh, I told him, I said, Brother Tim, don't worry about that. My wife tells me that all the time too. <laughs> so, but uh, this fellow I was... He initiated a debate. I was working for him years ago. I was working for him. And he initiated this debate. And it was something opposite of what I just quoted to you. And I said, all right, I'll make a deal with you. I'll settle this. I'm going to be working here for a long time. I'll settle this. You give me scripture passages that you want me to read related to this subject. And I will take a notebook and pencil and I'll write down my interpretation of the text. And you let me give you passages of Scripture and you take a pencil and notepad and you write me down your interpretation of the text. Well, this was the first one I gave him. What I just quoted to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6 is what I just quoted to you. Well, I gave him that. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks went by. I said, have you got it fixed yet? He said, I don't want to participate in that. 
We all know why he didn't want to participate. We know that. I knew it anyway. I knew I was going to give him scripture text that he could not write out an interpretation of them. I knew that. I knew for, by what he believed, he was not, he was ignorant of the scriptures. Now, I don't know. I think he remained that way, willfully. We, you know, we're all ignorant, right? Larry Joe used to say, preacher offends me when he says that. <laughs> and I included him in it. Uh, but, but I made this remark, and that should have made Larry Joe all right. Uh, I, I can't send a rocket to the moon, so I'm ignorant. Ignorant of that. We're all ignorant of something, right? But there are people who are willfully ignorant of the Bible. I love the Word of God. It keeps me straight. It keeps me believing the right stuff, you see. It gives me something to preach. I wouldn't have any motivation to preach if it wasn't for the wonderful Word of God. I've often said this, I love the written Word just as much as I love the living Word. I have a hard time separating the two. I can't do it. So, first of all, He's chosen us. And I want you to, I want to, uh, I have this little marker that don't bleed through my Bible. And sometimes I get it out and I mark certain things. And it says, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us. Oh, but I've not been made suitable. I've not been made fit. I was fit already. No, you wouldn't, my friend. None of us are. None of us were. We had to be made fit or made suitable. And uh, look with me, if you would, in Romans in chapter number 9. This is, this is a neat passage. Romans chapter 9 and verse number uh, 20, uh, 23. Verse number 23. I'm going to back up and read verse 22. Now you need to remember what this says. This is awesome. And it's talking about that God is the potter and we are the clay. Do you all believe that tonight? It's true. He's the potter and we're the clay. And guess what He does? He makes whatever He chooses to make. That's exactly right. Verse 22, and, and Paul is setting forth this this argument here, uh, verse 21, Hath not pot the powder power over the clay to make of the same lump one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Don't you tell me God don't make people fit. This is God's doing. This is what the Bible says. And look at verse 22. What if God willing to show His wrath? Boy, we don't like believing this stuff, do we? Not willing to show His wrath. To make his power known, endure with much long suffering the vessel of wrath fitted for destruction. Does God do that? You better believe God does that. And you know in this very chapter it talks about Pharaoh. And Pharaoh hardened his heart, right? But guess what? God hardened it too. Oh, I didn't know God hardened anybody's heart. Yes, he will. I can prove it clearly from the Bible. But God hardened his heart. And God, in that process, drove him into the waters and said this in the text, I will get honor by killing you. Just go back and read it. I will get honor. 
That's what he's talking about. There's been a many a vessel that was fitted for destruction to show his wrath and power. And that's, that's the Bible. But look at verse 23. This is for us. And then he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessel of mercy, which he hath before prepared unto glory. You know what he's saying? Every one of them, God made them that way. Don't you, you know, we, we tend to want to boast about, I'm a Christian. I, God chose me. I must be something special. <laughs> if there's any good in me, I want to tell you why there is. If there's any. If there's any good in me, it is because I've been made suitable. I've been made fit. Uh, and he goes on to say, verse 24, even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So that talks about making us, made us suitable. Not only did he choose us, and he did, but he also forgave our, all of our sin. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 says this, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now the word sanctified, you know that it means positionally and also progressively. In other words, the moment a person believes on the Lord, he is automatically sanctified in that he's set apart for him. Set apart. But then there's a process that goes on throughout one's life. And that is progressive sanctification. And we, that's part of growing in the Lord. So he hath forgiven our our sins. He's washed us in his own blood is what the Bible is saying there. Then he has regenerated us by the Holy Spirit. Everybody that's saved has the Holy Spirit come to dwell within them and live in them. So he has regenerated them by the Holy Spirit. He has put a robe on us. You know what the Bible talks about when it talks about the robe of righteousness. I tell you what one day about I don't know how many years ago I said this morning that I believe that the Lord probably saved me long before I made a profession of faith because I didn't know nothing about making a profession of faith when I was sitting in that pew at vacation Bible school and the preacher talking to us kids and I bowed my little old head and I prayed the sinner's prayer. And then many years later I made a public profession of faith and was baptized. But you know, I'm really not sure uh, in one sense, guess what? I was saved from before the foundation of the world. I was. It's, it's taught in the Bible. But anyway, uh, he puts on us a robe of righteousness. Anyway, when God saved me, he took away my sin. The penalty of my sin. The penalty. And you know what he gave me? He imputed to me his righteousness. And so it's a covering. You know, when the Christian, listen, when the Lord looks at you, He sees that you are washed in the blood, covered. Not only did He forgive you of your sin, but He imputed His righteousness to you. And so that's what happened. That's when we're made suitable. And then He gave us a guarantee. I love that thought. Uh, that guarantee is called uh, in the Bible, earnest. It is the earnest 
Second uh, Corinthians. Look with me there in chapter number five. Second Corinthians, chapter number five. And he, I want to read a few verses there. In chapter number five, it says this, beginning in verse five. Now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing as God. Now this, what it's talking about. Uh, uh, verse 4 for we that are in this tabernacle or this body do groan being burdened not that we would be unclothed but clothed the bone with that upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life now notice verse 5 through 8 now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God why are you here did God have anything to do with that? You better believe it. God did that. Who also hath given to us the earnest of the Spirit. When you find earnest in your King James Bible, you just make a little note in your mind. That's guarantee. It's a guarantee. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you have a guarantee. You have a guarantee. Me and one of the men was talking about eternal life this morning. What kind of life that is. It's exactly what it says it is. <laughs> it's eternal. <laughs> Jesus said, All the Father giveth unto me shall come unto me, and all that come unto me I will in no wise cast out. If you think you can be, you need to check with Jesus and what he says. Verse 6 says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, you know that's a neat statement there. And I understand that probably nobody here tonight is willing to be absent from the body. We all think just alike, right? I'll, I'll tell you tonight, if, it's, if the time comes I'm ready, it's okay. But... I, I, I love life, and I want to hang around a little bit longer. Sue needs me so bad. <laughs> oh. But anyway, I want to hang around. You know, I love people, and I love my family, and I love my church, and I love to preach His Word. And so I want to hang around a little longer. But it's like Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt having a desire to go on and be with the Lord, which is what? Far better, but then he said, but it's needful that I stay. Now, I've always believed that when the Christian got to the place in life where they did not have the desire that I preached about this morning uh, to have that for which I was uh, saved, the reason for what, that's what Paul said. Uh, in other words, he said, I, I was arrested. And I want to obtain that. You see, when the Christian decides they don't want to do anything like that no more, that they just want to quit. You know what they're in danger of? Being taken right out of this world. Being taken out. You can ask yourself this question. Why should I hang around? Well, we should hang around because he's still working on me, you know. He's, going to try to make, he's making you what he wants you to be. And so a guarantee, he gave us a guarantee. Uh, probably the best one is 
in Ephesians chapter 1. I, I like this one real, real good. In Ephesians chapter number 1, and it says this, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, remember, you can substitute that word with a guarantee, which is a guarantee of our inheritance. So, do I have a guarantee? I sure do. According to the Word of God, I have a guarantee of my inheritance. So we've been given that. So, our fitness is illustrated by an inheritance. Inheritance. I think that's neat. I want to read First Peter and chapter number 1 in your hearing. This is an awesome uh, passage. He says in chapter 1 and verse 3, beginning in verse 3, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us. You know what that means? Born us. Oh, born us. I've been, Brother Moore, born again. Yes, I was born the first time 72 years ago. 72 plus. (laughs) I'm still working on it. And so I was born again probably somewhere about 57 years ago. He has begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you like it? Is that That's just flat good. Amen? That is flat good. Now, an inheritance, uh, you know, we can't purchase an inheritance. Now, I'll tell you this little story. My mother, uh, when she started getting sick, she, she was one of these old school people. She believed that the oldest son ought to take care of details whenever she passed away. She had cancer. She come to live with me for a while, and uh, she had cancer. And she said, she told me, she said, uh, let's, I want to go down to the bank. I want to put your name on my bank account. I said, okay. In other words, she said, now, if something happens to me, you won't have any trouble accessing anything I've got there. And she told me this. She said, I've got enough to put me away so you boys don't don't have to be out that expense. And so she put my name on on her bank account. And I didn't know how much money she had. I just know she told me, you know, there's enough there to put me away. So she thought I ought to be, because I'm the oldest, but I'm also the smartest and the best looking. I tell my brothers all the time, when I was born, my mama wanted to have more and more just like me. And she tried three other times without any luck. <laughs> and give it up. <laughs> oh, I treat my brothers awful. But anyway, 
uh, whenever she, she had to make it right out a little wheel. Now, my mom didn't have nothing. Matter of fact, my brothers will remember whenever she passed away and we went to the house because the house belonged to my brother Randall. He had bought it years before and had it fixed in the deed where she, as long as she lived, that was her house. She could do anything she wanted with it. And so it immediately belonged to my brother. So we went. We had the best time ever was. I had one brother that said, I just can't do this. I said, now you know good and well, the most joy our mother ever had was when we come and, and, and cut up and acted silly and everything. She enjoyed that better than anything. And we found a poem in her stuff about that, you know, about her boys. She loved her boys. And anyway, uh, I told my brothers, I said, now listen, you know that if mom was here, she'd be having the time of her life, us in, in here cutting up and everything. And so we done it in such a way it was a lot of fun. And most of us took whatever we got. We, you know, we had to pack it out. And we put it on the truck, took it to the dump. She, she thought she had great possessions. But, and it was clean and neat, but it just wasn't worth nothing. You know what I'm saying? The only thing that I got that I, it was useful, I needed a bedroom suit. And I got one of the bedroom suits. But anyway, whenever the bills come in, the rest of them come in, I was able to write a check and pay the bills and pay for her funeral and, and everything. I was able to do that. And surprisingly, there was a little bit left over. And she gave me instructions when she wrote it all out that she wanted me to divide everything between us four. Everything. And so... There was a little bit. It wasn't much, but it was a little bit. I got an inheritance. <laughs> I sure did. So I know just a little bit about that. And that's how inheritance are, is they're not purchased. I got an inheritance because of the relationship that I had with my mother. I was her favorite son. But all my other brothers had to end up getting the same thing I did. They didn't deserve it, but they got it. <laughs> I honored my mom's wishes. <laughs> but anyway, that's what an inheritance is. I want you all to think about something. You've got an inheritance if you know the Lord. Romans chapter 8, right quickly. Romans chapter 8. And let me read these verses. Verse 16 and verse 17. And here's what it says. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do you know you're a child of God? The Holy Spirit takes care of that, doesn't he? Amen? And he goes on to say in verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer uh, with him, that we may be also glorified together. If you know the Lord tonight, you have and inheritance, and it's incorruptible, and it fadeth not away. Isn't that something? Now, I'm not going to be able to finish my thoughts on this, but you know how it is. I, if I stop somewhere, the next time I'll just pick it right up, and we'll keep going. I get worse at that all the time. I really do. But I love it. I love it. But I want to tell you something tonight.
Here, here it is. This, is. this will sum it up. There's a cause for us to be thankful. Because He's made, made me, I can speak for myself, to be suitable, to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. Next Sunday night I'll share with you what that means to be a saint and what it means to be a saint in light. And so there, there's part of the cause. You see, if you're not thankful tonight, there's a reason that you're not. And if you are thankful, you have a desire to give thanks unto the Father. Amen? Thanks unto the Father. Let's all make a commitment tonight. I'm going to do my best to give thanks unto the Father because He sure has blessed me really good. Let's bow together. Father, we thank and praise You for this passage. We thank You for all of the Word, every bit of it. And thank You for this that we've been studying. And Lord, now we know tonight without any doubt in our minds what the cause of being thankful, the first cause, the first cause if we've been saved by the wonderful grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we have been chosen, we've been forgiven, we've been given an inheritance, and we've been given a guarantee of it. Thank you, dear God. Now bless us tonight as we close this service, as we sing, if there are commitments that need to be made, O oh God, that this might be the very time and that we may rejoice together in them. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand together with me while Brother Aaron leads us.